Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping, and we are walking through a series called Who Am I? As that song was celebrating, this is who we are. We find our identity in our King. We find our identity in our Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and that's what we're walking through, who am I? And then in the book of Ephesians, so much in those first three chapters about our identity in Christ. Today we're going to be looking at finding our identity as being an heir. An heir. Yes, there's an inheritance that was talked about in chapter 1. An heir now brought in, adopted into a family, and participating in something so much bigger than myself. And man, you go back and you look at what Ephesians has delivered. We are chosen. And uh, we are forgiven and redeemed. And we are sealed we are enlightened, we are alive, we are reconciled, and, and now, Lord, we are an heir. We have some hope in him. He is doing something bigger and broader than we could ever imagine. So let's pour in today, what should we be responding like considering I am an heir? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We got the ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands, so if you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand, they'll get one to you. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and uh, it starts out here, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, okay? This is his starting point, and this is going to be in true Pauline fashion now. He's going to actually uh, get launched with this passage, and then he's going to take a good hard right turn and uh, change the topic a little bit. So let's just pour into it here. Uh, what should we know? What should we understand? What should we get from this? Point number one, recognize. We are made members of one body by Jesus Christ. Recognize. We are made members of one body by Jesus Christ. That's the first step here. And uh, He starts out, for this reason. What reason? Like when you read scripture, make sure you're reading actively. It's easy to pour over the words and miss the main points. And for this reason, he's connecting together with what's happened before it. And so he's been talking about how he was dead, but now he is alive. How he uh, was taken from nothing to something. He was hopeless without God. Now he is with God. And, and then at the end of chapter 2, as he closes out, we are a holy temple in him you are being built together. You are uh, being made into a dwelling place for God himself for this reason. Right? You're seeing the connecting? So he's like celebrating all we have in him. And he's like, for this reason, I, Paul, and uh, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Please note, it does not say a prisoner of the Romans. He's not talking about the human level. He's like, I'm just telling you. Jesus Christ is what this thing's all about. And I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ. And uh, everybody just say, for Jesus Christ. And if we believe he's got his hands on it, if we believe he's got a plan in it, if we believe he's doing something massive with it, then let's make sure we always have him as the preeminent purpose behind it. And uh, for Jesus Christ. And uh, he says, on behalf of you Gentiles, like I'm bringing you a word, man. And I'm bringing you some hope. And so for all of you who aren't Jews, here's some truth about who Jesus Christ is. And Paul's bringing that out. And uh, praise be to God, he's got this message. Now in most of your translations, you now have this hyphen, this dash, right? It's like, hang on. We're going to go through a little interrupt now, right? And now he shifts into a little bit of a side thought for him. And he says, 
assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Assuming that you heard of this stewardship. Now, as he veers off into this, there's probably no greater moment for teaching how God works as he inspires scripture. All right? It is not that God just dictates every single word and the man wrote down every word God dictated and just put it down exactly as God said it to him. Everybody say it's not that. That's not it, man. That would be called dictation. Okay? And, uh, but it's more than that. It's an inspiration. And so what God's really doing, the Holy Spirit is working with the apostles or prophets as they were writing. And he's taking together their collective experience, their vocabulary, their thinking, their ways of thinking, their values. And picture it like an artist. Those are his paintbrushes and his paints as the Holy Spirit goes to work through Paul. And so he's got Paul's uh, passions, and he's got Paul's personality and gifting, and that's some of the paint and paintbrush he's going to work with. And some of Paul right here is a guy who loves to go, wait, 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 I got another thing for you, right? That's part of who Paul is. And so he just spills it out, and he's using some of that as he reveals here, still the Holy Spirit inspiring. Say, still the Holy Spirit. Still the Holy Spirit inspiring, but he's working through the man of God, and he's painting a picture with the very personality of Paul. And so Paul is kind of throwing in some things here. Yes, the Holy Spirit inspired, and yet at the same time, very Pauline style. So mid-sentence, hyphen, let me tell you a few things, right? And uh, he's like, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Like, God gave me something. Are you aware of that? God dumped something on me. I hope you know that, church at Ephesus, right? That's what... Paul was saying to him, let me make clear what God's given. He says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. He said in chapter one, there was a mystery revealed, but I'm telling you, there's so much more captured in scripture about this mystery and what's going on and, and uh, what mystery? Like, what are we talking about? So let's make sure we get our arms around it just a little bit. I just wrote these couple of things down. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, just those first few verses, we see it promised that Isaac will be the heir. Not Ishmael, right? He had, Abraham had taken unto himself the solution. He went off, he took his concubine like a female servant, and he decided he was going to try to have a child with her because his wife wasn't having a child. Everybody say, that is a bad plan. Okay, it's helpful when it says that in Scripture, isn't it? It's nice at times where they're like, this was terrible. Sometimes in the Old Testament you're reading and it says what they did and you're like, was that a bad thing? That seems like a bad thing to me, right? And so, yes, bad thing, okay? That was a bad plan. And he went off with um, his concubine, his slave, and ended up having a child with her, Ishmael. And God's like, just so you know, that's not what I meant when I said there was a promise I was going to work with you. And it's going to come through your blood and it's going to come through your wife's blood and the two of you together and I know you're older and you just hang on. You're going to have a son, and it's through Isaac that you're going to have this hope, and he's going to be heir. But it said more than that. It actually said some further promise that you are going to have generations beyond you that are like numerous, like the stars of the sky. You got to remember, he's saying this to a guy who can't have a kid. You're going to have generations like the stars of the sky, man, and that's a promise. That's a huge promise. And, uh, but it goes on, Genesis chapter 17. Let me just read a few verses for you. So that was Genesis 15. Now we're in Genesis 17, first few verses. 
starting in verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. I have no idea what that moment was like and, and how the voice sounded and did it, did it thunder. And, and, but I'm telling you, he heard the very voice of God who said, walk with me and you will be multiplied greatly. It says, then Abram fell on his face. That's a good plan, right? Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Everybody say multitude multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means great father, right? But your name shall be Abraham. Abraham. It means father of the multitudes. It's a change of name. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Like there's a promise coming down. And for centuries, the Jewish nations were like, how can this be? That's the best Jewish accent I got right there. That's all I got. How can this be? How can he be the father of multitudes of nations? How can this be? He's the one bloodline, and through him comes the Jewish blessing. How can the nations be blessed? Maybe it's just that they get an alignment with us somehow, and maybe that's what it is. How can this be? The multitudes of nations under Abraham blessed, and uh, that's the mystery. That's the mystery of what God was holding on to that he made known to Paul, that for centuries they were wondering how it was going to happen. How could Abraham be the center of blessing for the rest of the nations and his generations like the stars of the sky? How can this be? And, and uh, in fact, it said, well, it was made known to me by revelation. It was made known to me by revelation. And I just thought it might be really helpful for us to camp on this for a second. So why don't you do this? Just turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. I'll wait for you. It's good to hear the pages turning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Right? Just back a little bit. Acts chapter 9. Remember, we're talking about Paul, and he's like, this was revealed to me. Now, just so you know, Paul became a believer. He trusted in Christ. That's what we're going to look at here, this revelation that he's talking about when he says it was revealed to me. But his name before it was revealed was Saul, and uh, he was a punk. He, he went after Christians. He would murderously threaten them. He would throw them in prison. He brought great havoc upon them. And so this is Paul before he was saved. Here we go. It says, but Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's believing in Christ, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And uh, Can you imagine that moment? 
Paul met Jesus Christ face to face, and it was with a bit of authority coming down. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city. You will be told what you are to do. And uh, notice he didn't say, hey, can you do me a favor? I was thinking, right? It was like, bam, respond to me, man. I am the creator of the universe, and I've got some things for you to do. And uh, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Remember, this is the dude who was like, let's go, boys. We're going over there and we're going to wreak some havoc on those people who say they're following this Jesus. Right? And then they're halfway home. They're getting to Damascus and bam, knocked on his back, thunderous voice. My name is Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now knock it off. Stand yourself up. I got some things for you to take care of. The guy standing around him. Do you hear that? Yeah, dude, I heard that. What is that? Are you doing that? Dude, I'm not doing that. What is that? That is the thunderous voice of the Almighty God speaking. They get Paul stood up. They're like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, you heard what he said. We're going to Damascus, boys. Right? And on his way down, then he moves into the rest of the town. It says here, The men who were traveling with him stood him up. They moved on from there. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here am I, Lord. And uh, Always good to answer God when he calls. And the Lord said to him, rise, go to the street called Straight at the house of Judas. Look Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. Uh, Everybody say, that's a lot of detail, right? Hey, stand it up. I need you to go to the street named Straight, house of Judas, man from Tarsus, name is Saul, he'll be praying, okay? Kind of clear, we know exactly what's going on. Uh, He has seen in a vision that a man named Ananias, by the way, that's you, bro, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer For the sake of my name. Don't lose sight of the sentence. He's going to talk to the Gentiles. He's going to suffer. And he's going to bring a word. Now step over and talk to him and reveal this to him, Ananias. So Ananias departed, entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me. So that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was baptized. Once you believe, it's time to get baptized. And uh, hey, we have that coming up in a couple weeks. Did you hear that? And so get ready. We're going to have some baptism in two weeks on the 18th. If you've trusted in Christ and have not been baptized, this is a little shameless plug. Time for you to jump in. 
Let's get you signed up. You can do that online. We're going to talk more about it next week. There will be an opportunity, man. Baptism, it's a huge public proclamation that you are following Jesus Christ. He said, I'm in. I'm following the Jesus. No more persecution. And taking food, he was strengthened. Notice he was done with his fast. His prayer had been answered. He's now following. Now we go back to Ephesians chapter 3. Turn back there with me. Ephesians chapter 3. He says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. Now you grasp the depth of what he's talking about. It was revealed to me that I should go to the Gentiles and that I should preach. I was knocked off my horse. I was thunderously spoken to. I was healed of some blindness. And God made it clear what I was to go through. And that included suffering. Hang on, that word will come up here in just a little bit again. And uh, Paul He experienced a revelation, and it was life-changing. He says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations that has been now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. He's like, I'm just telling you, there have been many, many godly people following after him, but God has kept this a mystery until now. He has revealed what he's doing and the mystery from Abraham thousands of years ago till now, God is revealing out what is happening through Jesus Christ and the awesome hope that we have in him. Hear me, the message that is revealed. He said it was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, but now to ours. So it's being revealed in the last five, ten years here and this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And, uh, okay, you missed your uptake. That was the moment of utter shock that we need to have as we read this. Gentiles, man, they're outside the family. And they're now declared in the family. And we should have one shocking response to it. So I'm giving you another chance on your uptake. Are you ready? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Amen. With shock and awe and great applause, there is huge response that we can be included in this thing. God is doing something that is including all the nations of the world. Praise be to God. Amen? Amen, man. We have hope. Fellow heirs, joint heirs coming alongside, not because of the blood of the lineage of Abraham, but hear me now, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have hope in his name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. We love him. We're excited about him, and we cannot wait to worship him. And uh, fellow heirs, members of the same body. And uh, same body, not mixed up, not multiple. Universal symbol for one is the number one on your fingers, man, right? There is one body, unity and sameness and togetherness across every nation in every community as God is rallying us together. And uh, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What is the good news? The good news is this, that we were dead. But through Jesus Christ, we can be alive. The good news is this, that we were hopeless and without God. But as we believe in him, that he is God Almighty, risen from the dead, there is authority and power in his name. As we believe in him, and as we stand up and confess 
him as Lord. It says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, you will be saved. That's the gospel, man. Good news, locked down and airtight. And uh, some people will say, it's too presumptuous to say I know that I'm saved. Uh, no, man. Romans 10, 9, and 10, super clear. Believe and confess. 1 John chapter 5, that you may know that you have eternal life. And we may trust in Jesus Christ. He is our almighty king. There is hope, not in the blood lineage of Abraham, but in the blood of Jesus Christ as he reaches out to a multitude of nations. Praise be to God. Amen? That's our hope. And uh, we have huge privilege in him. And, uh, we are partakers in this promise. And, uh, here's the deal, man. We need to recognize what we actually have. And this mystery, it was underneath the surface. There was this thing called Israel and Abraham going on, but underneath, God is doing this huge thing through Jesus Christ, and, and we've got to make sure we recognize what's actually taking place. So there was a guy, 1926, actually probably 1925, late. Um, he was struggling to make ends meet. He was coming up on right before the Depression. He was living way down south, and he thought, you know what we'll do? We're going to get into sheep farming. That's what our family's going to go after to survive. And so he bought some sheep, and he began to have them reproduce, getting more and more sheep, and he went out, and he bought some property down in, way down in nowhere land like southwest Texas, and he bought property where, quite frankly, it's tough to grow anything. And uh, he was trying to have his sheep just kind of all over the place. He continued to buy more and more land because there really just wasn't that much grass around for them to feed on. And he was getting them to go around and feed, and it wasn't going well. And uh, sheep began to get sickly, and he was hurting financially. And, and uh, one day he had a, a group of men come to him and say, hey, can we do something? We'd like to go out on your property and just check something out, test something real quick. We'll, we'll pay you a few dollars for the chance to test it, and we'll see what we find. You okay with that? He's like, yeah, sure, we'll take any money. So he had the guy go out there, and uh, they took a drill, and they drilled down a couple hundred feet, and the largest explosion of oil that they had ever seen came rocketing up out, pouring out. They just started laughing hilariously. Like, the guy's like, is this a good thing? And they're like, dude, you have no idea what you're sitting on here. As oil's just pouring all over the place. It just kept coming out. At one point, they're like, we better stop this thing, man. They're trying to dam it up. They don't know how. They didn't have the technology yet to figure out how to cork it again. So they had to let it just keep blowing oil. They're like, create a lake. So they ran and grabbed some equipment and started moving earth to block off this section of the road, and the oil just filled in feet deep. They created a lake all over the place of oil, and as the pressure finally died down, literally amazing numbers of barrels of oil laying out in this field. They came out, they sucked it up, cleaned it all up, shipped it off, and sold it. He was an instant millionaire. Now he had to figure out what he was going to do, so they began to explore it. It became the Yates Oil Field. It was one of the first down in Texas. They have literally pulled over a billion barrels of oil out of there so far since 1926. They estimate another billion barrels at least remaining sitting on that one spot that he bought where he was sheep farming and barely making ends meet, and he had no idea of what was underneath. Are you hearing me? Recognize the richness of what you have. 
And stop getting caught up in the earthly simplicities, the movement of God underneath, the depth of Christ at work, the power of his promise, the life-giving, eternal-saving, nation-rallying mystery of Jesus Christ. Recognize that you're sitting on something way more wealthy than Yates ever was in that oil field. Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And long to watch him work in your life, in your family's life, in all of those around you. Recognize the depths of what we have in Christ. And a simple question for you. Man, as we go to the Bible, we can often just look at it as a self-help or a nice little story. Um, Do you grasp the depths of the mystery being revealed? Are you recognizing your God being revealed to you as you dive into Scripture? And pour into the word looking for him to reveal himself to you, all right? And another challenge for you. Do you find your savior as priceless or a distraction for the things of this world you're trying to go after? Priceless or a distraction? Man, go after your almighty king. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the savior of the universe. Recognize what you have in him. And... uh, Maybe the last little simple challenge is please make sure you go after this. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Our God is a God of one. Our God is a God of one. And he is rallying us all together. Are you in? Are you willing to worship him and let him lead your life? Set down the distractions and go after your king with all you've got. And all of God's people said, all right, that's first. Second, reach out. We have the privilege of sharing the unsearchable riches of Christ. Reach out. We have the privilege of sharing the unsearchable riches of Christ. He starts out in verse 7. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. Of this gospel, you know, The one where it's Jesus Christ is our hope. He's our good news. We can be forgiven of that which we've stood in rebellion with. He forgives his work on the cross. Him for me. Praise be to God. That's the gospel message. And of this gospel, him for me. Everybody just say him for me. Don't lose sight of that, man. The gospel message is simple. Him for me. And that's it. Jesus Christ, of this gospel I was made a minister. Just so you know, this original language word here is actually the word for servant. Uh, I don't own. This isn't about me. I'm in this for my king. And I'm his servant. And uh, that's what it means to be a minister. And, uh, hey, simple question. Are you in ministry and invested into the church in order to be a servant of Jesus Christ or in order to draw attention to your name. It's easy to get distracted on this and I'm going to ask you a favor. When someone starts going to grab for name, let them play the game of spoons. You know what I'm talking about? Let them play the game of spoons and get whatever spoons they want. Our job is to make much of our king. And all of God's people said, I'm telling you, It's easy to get distracted on this one. Don't let it get you. 
And uh, it's tough to walk through this one where people are making much of their own name and all of a sudden you start getting into the fame of my name. We will be about the fame of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. It says, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of his power. Paul's like, dude, I did not earn this. God just lavished it on and I so love him and I'll so serve him with all I've got. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. Why is he saying that? Because he was murdering people who trusted Christ. He was getting them in jail. He was having them stoned. He was happy to bring as much pain as he could bring. And now he's seen the light. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's rocked. And he's like, I'm the least, man. I deserve nothing for what I've done. And I'll go through anything for my Savior. And uh, I am the least of the saints. The grace that was given to me, yeah, it's not warranted. And here I am, this grace to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. To preach Jesus Christ. To be able to share the gospel that he is our hope and share that to a world that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know even Old Testament scriptures necessarily. Reaching out into this Gentile nation and saying, there is a God and his name is Jesus and he is amazing. Let me tell you who he is and what he's done. He's like, I'm just telling you, I had the privilege of sharing the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. No matter how much I study it, there's more to study. No matter how much I dig in, there's more to grasp. No matter how much I talk about Christ, there's more to share. That's what Paul's saying. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Man, you are sitting on the depths of a richness that will alter this world. And all too often we think of it as too small. We think of it as solving some simple little problem in my life alone. And Lord, I can't wait for you to fix this problem or this heat or this issue or this... And it's not that Jesus isn't here for us in our struggles. But please be careful. We are here first and foremost for him and to worship him. We're going to see more of that pop up here in the rest of the passage. And, uh, it says, who created all things. This mystery was hidden in God from ages past. Please notice, where was the mystery hidden? What's it say? Hidden in, in God. Like, he knew the answer, man. It's not like God's going, I don't know what we're going to do. God's not walking around going, wow, that's a mess. Boy, we're going to have to get together and try to figure out a solution to this one. I don't know. And uh, everybody say, that's not what was going on. That's not what was going on. God from eternity past had a plan, that mystery hidden within him as he knew exactly where he was headed and is headed even today. God knows what's going on. Sovereign, in charge, and with a plan. And uh, praise be to God, we can worship the one who has it all together. And uh, he has a plan. Hey, just so you know, uh, it is godly to plan. Did you know that? Just a little side statement. Some of your planners and you're like, amen to that. Right? Maybe you need to lighten up a little. Okay? And, uh, but planning, it is godly. It is right to be able to sit down and figure out what makes sense and what works and how is it going to work together and what's the bigger thing going on. And that is our God. He is a planning God from eternity past. 
we see that as a part of his character. And he says here, uh, he created all things. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God created all things? Do you believe that he created with his spoken word and he's in charge of everything? That's the clear scriptural truth. He's in charge of all. Now, he gives us a reason why here. There's a purpose statement of what he's doing, and we better check this one out seriously. Notice the next two words. It says, so that. Okay? That's a purpose statement. So that. What's he trying to accomplish? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let's break it down. So that through the church... Man, if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are the church. And as we rally here together, those that are trusting in Christ as Savior, we are the church. Please hear me. It does not mean you're a part of the church just because you show up to a building. You hear me? We are a part of his church as we are the called out ones. We are trusting in him. We are believing in him. We are calling upon him. We are worshiping him, the church. And he's doing something through the called out ones, the ones who are trusting in him. Look what it says. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. The word manifold, uh, I looked it up, but actually in the original it means uh, multicolored, multifaceted, diverse wisdom of God. The many-colored, many-faceted, diverse knowledge, practical knowledge applied into this world that can fix any and every situation, our God has it in hand. His manifold, multicolored, multifaceted wisdom on display being made known through the church. You hearing that? As you and I live life, as we hear from his word, as we follow after him, as we set down our things that became so self-distracting and we pick up our worship, we are putting on display God's unbelievable wisdom. To who? Look what it says. Look real carefully what it says. That he might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You hearing me? This church is made to be on fire for Jesus Christ, celebrating our almighty God. So that the demonic forces and the angelic forces, that's the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, the demons and the angels look in with awe. And go, whoa, did, did you see what God just did? Look at how he worked in their soul. Look at how he's calling them together. And God putting on display his wisdom to the angels and demons out there as he works within our soul. This church is called together to put God on display. And all of God's people said, amen, man. That's what it's all about. And I'm just telling you, here's what the, the, sh the shame of it all is this. When the church begins to rally to put themselves on display. Do you hear the miss? We are the church. And we have a calling, man. And it will not be 
to make much of self. And all of God's people said, man, stand up on that one and get proud. We have a God who has it in hand, and it is his manifold witness on display. We will be on our knees, and we will make much of him. It is all about our king. Amen, man. All over the place with this. The church, yes, for God and his kingdom. The church, yes, to show off the manifold wisdom of our amazing king. Don't ever get caught in the self game. And it's easy to get tripped up. People start playing spoons around you, and it makes you want to grab a spoon. And I'm just telling you, let's not miss what we're here for. We have been called together in this room to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and to worship him with all we've got and to allow God to do a work in us that would make the angelic forces look in and go, you're kidding me. That's our God? Look at how he has forgiven. Look at how he has provided. Look at how he is healing. Look at how he is unifying. Look at how he is restoring. Look at how he is winning as he declares out, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Man, that's the plan. We have a job to rally together to show off our amazing king in all that he is. That's what we're here for. May we never lose sight of it. That's what we're here for. And uh, here's what I love. Man, you pull into this parking lot on a Sunday morning and you got parking teams. It doesn't matter what the weather is and there's smile on their faces and they're directing you to the spots and we got joy going on and you, you hit the greeter teams and they're shaking hands and laughing and smiling and welcoming you in and we got people serving up warm coffee. That's starting to become a necessity now again, right? We're getting some coffee and the cafe teams and all that. And you come in here, we got ushers just managing the place well. And we've got a worship team on fire. And you guys are doing such a phenomenal job of joy in the midst of your serving. And I'm telling you, the more we get who Jesus Christ is and the more we get who we aren't, the better off we'll be at that each and every day. And as I've talked to people rolling into this place visiting and they come up front and they're like, hey, I just wanted to introduce myself. We've been coming a week or a couple weeks. And, and uh, invariably, they're here because of you. Did you know that? Like, you're the word on the street. You're our advertisement. You may not have noticed, but we don't do a lot of billboard stuff, man. We don't do that. You're our billboard. If God's working in your lives, then this is a place they should be coming to and growing in. And if God's not working in your lives, we got some stuff to work on. You're our billboard. And as you reach out showing who Jesus Christ is in your life and how he's changing you, you literally are putting the manifold wisdom of God on display in this world. Praise be to God. And that's you guys on fire for Jesus Christ and making much of his name. May we rally together getting this. Yes, we are heirs. We are partakers. We are the church called together with a purpose to put our God on display. And all of God's people said, simple challenge for you. So how are you doing at worshiping your God? No distraction. Making much of his name in the midst of pain. Worshiping him. Are you on fire? 
Are you growing? Or is this a challenge moment? And we're going to have those challenge moments. That's not a defeat. That's a moment where God's manifold wisdom is about ready to pour onto you. Get humble. Get before him. And let God do an amazing work. Hand it over to him. Get on fire with your God as you let him work in your life. You're sharing with others? I say it this way, please. You hear me say it a lot, right? Don't just run out and start talking. And get to know your God. May he pour into you and fill you up. And as you blow like an oil geyser spilling out all over the place for others to be able to see and hear and understand, share that. Share from the joy that God is pouring into your soul. Meet him first. Share of him second. May God be glorified. All right? And I'll just say it again. And uh, Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior? Have you trusted him? Answer that question for yourself for real. Do you believe that he is risen? He is God. And I confess him as Lord of my life. I'm in. Have you been baptized since you made that commitment? After that, have you been baptized saying, Lord, I'm in, I'm trusting you? If the answer to that is no, maybe that's the first way you reach out. In a couple weeks, a chance to get up, share a little bit of what God's doing in your life. We're right there with you walking through the testimony, but sharing what God is doing in your life and making much of him as you stand up for your Savior and make much of his name. Recognize and reach out. Those are the first two steps. And third... Third, resist. Do not lose heart in the midst of suffering. You have boldness and access through faith. Do not lose heart in the midst of your suffering. You have boldness and access through faith. And uh, he says here, starting in verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus. This, what's this? That's the role of the church as displaying God's manifold wisdom before the angels and demons, the authorities and principalities in heavenly places. And of this, that privilege of putting God on display according to the eternal purpose that he had realized in Christ Jesus. Like he knew what he was doing from eternity past and he's going after it. This is God's plan, man, to work in you. Are you willing to have him rock you? that he might be put on display? Are you willing to have him challenge an area of sin that needs to go, an area of pride that needs to be set down, that he might be glorified? May God do all the work as you humbly do exactly what Paul did as he fell on his knees and his face before him and said, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And, uh, resist, it says here, do not lose heart. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access and confidence through our faith in him. Three words, boldness and access and confidence. And uh, boldness, uh, that literally means a freedom to speak openly. You're coming into the presence of the king, but he wants to hear from you. And uh, be careful, that doesn't mean walk in all self-absorbed and disrespectful, right? I hear some take this way too far. And uh, be cautious. And you are talking to the king of the universe, but a boldness, a willingness to be vulnerable and transparent before your God. Real with him. God, this hurts. Lord, I'm afraid. Hear what I'm being real on? 
my feelings and my position. Here's what I don't turn it into. God, you're making a mistake. When our prayers become accusations, we're missing the point. And the boldness does not give us a privilege to accuse. A boldness gives us a privilege to be vulnerable before him, telling him where we're coming up short, where we're weak, where we're in need, what our heart is hurting in, and languishing with him on that. And getting real with him, man, we have a privilege of doing it with boldness. It says, and access, an ability to draw into the presence of the king. Access. An ability to draw into his presence. I'm just going to say this real quickly, but man, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, all too often we're like, Jesus died for my sins. We can say that so flippantly. We say it, we're actually more intense about what we order at the DQ. You know what I'm saying? We get up there and we're like, okay. Here's what I'm going to have today. I want a little bit, right? We start getting all intense about it and, dude, it's a DQ thing. And then we start talking about Jesus Christ. They're like, yeah, he died in the cross for my sins. We try to say it like as fast as we can to get done with the topic. Let's be careful about what we're talking about. Here's just a moment of what went down when Jesus Christ died on that cross, that moment of death. Here's what went down. As he died, there was this eclipse that took place. It said it went dark in the middle of the day. The sun literally went black. But hear me, this is Passover. That means it's a full moon. So there was a full moon at the same time that there was an eclipse. Dude, that just does not happen. God's doing something miraculous in the midst of that. As this darkness comes over, all of a sudden an earthquake thunderously rips through the place. As he takes his last breath, thundering earthquake. Now the temple gets broken and split as things are beginning to pull apart and the temple curtain literally from top to bottom rips open. Why is that a big deal? Because when man entered the throne room of God, they entered from the bottom, splitting it from the bottom and stepping in. That's man going to God. God is now coming to man and he is tearing the temple, the sheet, the, the, the opening, that, that curtain wide open from the top down as he comes to us to make a dwelling place with man. Praise be to God, we have access to the throne room. That was the holy of holies blocked off. And God ripped it open saying the work at the cross is it. It is finished. It is enough. Him for me. We have access. That's the God you're entering into the presence of. He is holy. He is powerful. And he has authority. And come with vulnerability, come with transparency, boldness, ready to share with your God. And it says, with confidence, knowing this, he wants to hear from you. He loves you. And uh, he loves you. Let me just say it again. He loves you. Do you believe that? Let it settle. Not just some mental assent. He loves you. Doesn't feel like it right now. Come to him. Hear from him and let him hear from you. You'll be amazed at what God does as you share before the powerful God of the universe. And, uh, he says here, so I ask you, do not lose heart over what I am suffering for you. Do not lose heart. And it's easy in the light of suffering to lose heart, isn't it? It really tests our fortitude. As we start to go through pain, are we willing to go through this pain? It really checks us. And notice in this case, they're actually being checked by the pain of the guy next to them. Like, they can't stand to see him suffer, and they're losing heart. 
And uh, maybe you're in here today and you have a family member or a friend, somebody else going through heartache, and it's crushing you that they're crushed. Do not lose heart in the suffering. Why? Look at what he says right at the end here. Which is your glory. And the greatest glory of us as servants is that we can actually be a part of God doing something in this world to reconcile, to heal, and to bring people towards him. This world is broken. Can we all just say, this world is broken? And if you don't agree with me on that, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. This world is broken. All right? And uh, it hurts. And there is pain that we go through, and there is heartache that we struggle with. And our friends and family may be devastated by something they're going through. Know this God has a plan. Are you hearing me? God has a plan, He has it in hand, He is working in this thing. Trust your God. But it doesn't look that way. Trust your God. It doesn't feel that way. Trust your God. Down with feelings, they're a bad direction giver. Amen? If it hurts, bring that to your God and let him know that. Share real with him. It hurts. But do not lose heart. He is the God of the universe. He is putting his manifold wisdom on display. He is working with the church. He has called us as heir. He is the promise maker. And he will be the promise keeper. And all of God's people said, that is what it means to be an heir. May we trust in our God and rush to his side. Let's pray.